Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Welcome, everybody, to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host, and we're going to have a fun conversation today. We're going to talk about vocations today. This episode, because some of you are like vocations, already set. This episode is perfect if you are a mom or a dad or a priest or a nun or a youth minister or a DRE, or you have any affection whatsoever for young people. We're going to talk about how do you accompany a young person through the process of hearing and discerning and responding to God's call. And no one better to join me than our guest today, Father Andrew Rosa. How you doing, Father? Doing great. Thanks. It's good to be here. Good. Okay, so we always start the show by letting people actually talk about their own story. So tell us a little bit about your own your own faith journey when you first encountered Jesus. Yeah, I, I grew up in Omaha and St. Margaret Mary Parish, and uh, I was really blessed with a, a Catholic family that lived their faith uh, very well practiced. I can remember learning about prayer and watching my mom pray, and they really gave a beautiful witness to us. Uh, I had some older brothers who were involved in, in practicing their faith, and so uh, for me, it was just part of part of the context. It was just part of life. And uh, if I remember one moment being perhaps more pivotal than others, it would probably be I, I can recall my freshman retreat at Creighton Prep. Mm. And uh, having a really good experience of prayer on my freshman retreat, and then also seeing what that experience of prayer had done in so many of my brothers, my classmates, and the impact that it had made on them as well. So my own experience of, of intimacy with Jesus uh, that was increased and, 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 and blossomed, I think, in a new way uh, on that weekend, as well as seeing what that meant to other people and how necessary and good it really was, you know, both for their eternal salvation, but also just for them now, even in this yeah. life. And I think that uh, from there, it has been kind of a, a, a gra- mostly a gradual increase. And I've been, been really blessed to not have too dramatic a personal story when it comes to faith. Uh, in that sense, you know, what a great gift and blessing. Um, I just mm-hmm. have always been able to talk to Jesus, <laughs> talk to the Lord uh, about things as they've come up in life. That's fantastic. We've had both guests who would say like, you know, I've always just kind of had a, a Mary of Nazareth journey where I've just never remember a time where I wasn't close to the Lord. And we had a few people who had a little bit more of a Mary Magdalene style where there was, you know, <laughs> there were, there were wayward, wayward years. <laughs> Speaking of the wayward years, we were, t- no, I don't think this is a wayward thing, but we were talking about, we were talking about curling early on. And I could not As for the does. life of me, I'm like, Father, <laughs> what's that thing you used to do? That really quirky sport. And I was like, it's not broom ball. It's not shuffleboard. It's like some combination. I can't say anything more about curling other than it's a thing. And I know Father Rosa used to, used to, used to do it. I only discovered this after about like five minutes into a talk about curling and it's a good five minutes in. It's like, oh my gosh, he's serious. I thought he, because it was time for the Olympics. I thought he was joking. Father, just yeah. like super quick crash course curling and you. How did that happen? <laughs> oh yeah. My oldest brother had a friend in grade school whose family is from Wisconsin and they introduced him to curling as a, a little little boy, seven, eight years old. And our family just got drawn into it. And before we knew it, we were playing in national level competitions that eventually became international Wait, competitions. And, and what is curling? Just for the people who are like, this has yeah. nothing to do with hair. Winter Olympic sport with the, the rocks and the brooms and the yelling. That's the sport we're talking about. There's a Simpsons episode. Have you seen that one where that where there's a 
It's been Marge a long, and I think so. Homer yeah. curling. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful. If you get the chance to play, it's really a fun game, and we had all kinds of amazing experiences. It was part of my own discernment, of course. We were heavily, heavily involved in that sport as Olympic hopefuls. Never made the Olympics ourselves, but got to meet lots of cool people and go lots of cool places. An amazing experience for us. And then uh, obviously I had to let it go in order to to do greater things for the Lord. But I'm eternally grateful and still have friends from those experiences and from that that world, really. It's been a kind of an amazing thing. That's fantastic. We have never, as I mean, you are the first and probably only person we've ever like, and I had to say goodbye to my curling dreams <laughs> in order to pursue my vocation. Yes. <laughs> When vocations directors get together, is that a common story? <laughs> no, I mean, there, there often, there almost always are things that have to be let go of yeah. in order to embrace the vocation. And some more that's quirky, a good quirky thing. than and others. Some, some are more memorable and quirky than others, indeed. <laughs> okay, so thank you for indulging that. Let's jump into the conversation here. We want to talk about vocations. We really can't jump into that, though, without just acknowledging there's a context here. You know, the words vocations crisis have been kind of floating around, you know, churchy Catholic world for decades. It's been very front and center here for the Archdiocese of Omaha. This is the first year in quite some time that we will not have any priestly ordinations. Can you give us a little bit of the background on the vocations crisis? Yeah, what we found is that, you know, there are, are less and less uh, individuals who are entering into uh, vocations of all kinds, if we're going to be honest about that. And yeah, let's, let's so, be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, whether that's the Catholic priesthood or whether that's mm-hmm. ministry, you know, on a wider level within, say, Protestant circles, um, whether that's even just uh, being willing to enter into the sacrament of marriage, that more and more that gets either delayed or not entered into in mm-hmm. many first world countries. And, you know, what we found within our Catholic setting has basically been that as practice of the faith has decreased, practice of discernment towards seminary has also decreased. Mm-hmm. Uh, ordinations have in general decreased along with that. And if you look at like the numbers of priests, or if you look at, say, the numbers of seminarians, for example, that we've had versus, say, the number of mass-going Catholics, they usually trend pretty closely. Yeah. And so in that sense, it's that there, there are less, and we see that in various ways. If you look at, for example, the CARA statistics nationwide, they'll say that, gosh, in 1970, there were something like 1.8 priests per parish. And there were only a couple hundred parishes that did not have a pastor at all. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what the numbers were like, you know, in 2020, that you have Mm -hmm. one priest per parish nationwide today, but you Mm -hmm. have something like 3,000 parishes nationwide that do not have a priest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's often where we begin to feel that difference is that we begin to notice like, oh, there aren't pastors at these parishes or, oh, that that is a change from what I recall when I was growing up. And it is easy to then become fearful and a bit panicked, I think. That's often the response that we see. Like, oh my gosh, it's a quick, let's go to a foreign country and grab some priests. (laughs) Uh, Right, right. And and it's just to say that it's true. We do need to make sure we're inviting people and we we do need to make sure that we're we're being purposeful but i don't know that people generally discern vocations within crises you hopefully if, if someone comes to me and says we want to get married because we're in a life crisis i will usually tell them that they should yeah respectfully wait and reconsider and and move forward in what they're doing in a confident peaceful sort of more long lasting kind of discernment or decision. Mm-hmm. And I think the same, you know, we we talk about like, wow, gosh, what are we working to do? You know, well, we're going to like, 
practice of the faith has decreased and with that vocations have decreased and we want to be able to help young men to hear God's voice. We want to be helpful to help our parishes become more vibrant places where more vocations are going to be nurtured and brought forth, that more of those people whom God has invited into his priesthood or into religious life are, are able to really hear that voice and, and embrace that challenge with courage. Yeah. You just did some major myth busting there. To make it explicit, you're saying it's not as though there's been this dramatic drop in, at least proportionally, the number of men serving as priests. In fact, it seems like the number of vocations, those serving as priests, has remained consistent. What's dropped is mass attending Catholics yeah. or the practice of the faith in general. Yeah, they've dropped in in tandem, right? They, right. They've dropped together. So well, it would be weird if they yeah. didn't. Right, would. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're kind of connected. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so maybe let's start with a, a little bit of a bright spot because you are one of the most joyful positive, hopeful people, a joy to be around. You don't give off, you know, like, like we're desperate. Do you want to be, a, you know, I've never seen you recruiting, you know, vocations down at the blood bank or whatever. Like you're, <laughs> the lie maybe that is, I think, implicit and never spoken is that somehow the Lord is less at work, that he, that, that he is either calling less or that he's failing to give the grace to respond. You get to see young people respond Maybe let's start with some stories of where you see the Lord at work, and then we can kind of deconstruct for our listeners what's happening there so they can begin to play their role in a part of it. So, so to start, mm -hmm. where do you see God at work? So uh, our young men, the young people that I work with are amazing. They're really amazing. And, you know, this past year with the with COVID has meant less opportunity to be with those groups of young people. But one thing I, I often will tell people in a more normal setting, like we have now, thanks thanks be to God, is that like my job is one of the most hopeful because I'm always around young people who are encountering the Lord and who are responding to his love. And so to take one example of that that's been really beautiful uh, just in these last few months has been life at JP2 Newman in, in Omaha itself. And uh, we've had a group of young men who have had encounters with the Lord at various stages or various parts of there, whether it was in high school or whether it was after arriving at college. They've had a real deep encounter with the Lord and they've, they've kind of bound themselves together and been willing mm -hmm. to make some real sacrifices. And what that's brought about has been really beautiful. So they, a number of them formed Exodus 90 groups. Uh, which builds uh, a habit of regular prayer and community and maybe gets rid of some things that can create artificial mm -hmm. noise. They were also uh, watching, so they were getting together on Sunday mornings of all times, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. For college men, that's like, oh my that's a miracle. It's a minor yeah. miracle. We get 20 to 30 guys uh, every Sunday morning and uh, they would watch uh, one of the Knights of Columbus videos into the breach of that series. They'd have student witnesses given on that theme and then they'd do small group sharing before confessions and mass. And so they'd eat pancakes and they're, they're, they're doing it. And by the end of it, some of those guys were saying, oh my gosh, like we've done great work with some of these guys, but we've got a bunch of guys who like they need to grow in their prayer life. And so, so they said, well, we've got three weeks left in the year. So father, like let's, let's do a series on prayer. Let's do the same thing, but keep it going and talk more about that. Then we had a retreat with them following up on that in May where we had 15 to 20 guys, something like that. We got together for a day. We just talked about prayer, did holy hours and and it was beautiful, really beautiful. And so the reality of like, okay, like they have encountered the Lord 
in various ways. They're in a beautiful, supportive kind of community. Mm -hmm. And now you have all these kind of questions asked. So all of a sudden, I have guys who are saying, Father, I'd love to have breakfast with you maybe sometime. And I want to talk about how to discern God's will or understand God's will. Or Father, I know you're visiting a seminary. And I'd actually really like to to be able to see that and do that because I'm really open to that. I, That's fantastic. I want to know more about that. And so, you know, the, out of this group of guys who are just following the Lord, loving the Lord, making sacrifices, doing it together, mm-hmm. supporting each other, building each other up, you have this whole kind of pocket of beautiful openness and discernment that has taken mm-hmm. root. Yeah. And so like, that's where you see the Lord working or you see that in say in a parish like Norfolk Sacred Heart, where they have St. Mary's Sacred Heart, where they have, you know, discernment groups and um, young adult groups that are meeting on a regular basis uh, that are very much open to, Hey, what's happening in terms of what God's called me to or towards the priesthood. They've had encounters. They work in a lot of different ways. And now they're being really supported and built up in, in the wake of that encounter with the Lord. Now, we see all kinds of things. Like, these are the people who end up as seminarians. And I, I can't really speak too much to my own seminarian-specific stories because I have to respect their confidentiality in right, various right. ways. Um, but they have a lot of stories. They're great stories. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll be able to hear them when they're your pastor, you know, yeah. or when they're your associate. Well, you know, as I, as I listen to you share this, what, what strikes me most profoundly is none of this is contrived. None of it is rocket science. It's like, yeah, so there were a group of young people, and they were— living like Christians. And then in that context of prayer and community and sacrifice, the natural questions about, I wonder what the Lord might have in mind for me, comes up naturally. And they're in a place where they can entertain that and they have someone they can talk to. If you would maybe break down a little bit more for us, what's going on in the heart and mind of a young person as they're beginning to respond, hmm. consider vocation. It, it is both exciting and it can be terrifying, I think. I think it's both. I think they, that often there's this, you know, this experience of God that is just saying, this is so much bigger and better and more, more than anything else I, I yeah. have. This is so much better. My friendships that are in the Lord are so, so much different and so much better. And my life and, you know, when I pray and when I, you know, I experience these things when people pray with me, oh my goodness, it blows me up. Mm -hmm. And then in the midst of that is to say like, okay, like the Lord could offer me, like I could be a priest like this, like I could offer these sacraments that are doing these amazing things in my life and I I could Mm -hmm. do that. And that would be, so on the one hand, there's often a lot of excitement. And I think Mm -hmm. I put that in the category of the, what could God offer box? Like God could offer me amazing, amazing things. And one thing that is really distinctive about seminarians today versus maybe prior generations is that they, they pretty much universally have had really strong conversion experiences. Mm -hmm. Their love for the Lord is very, very like it's personal and experiential and genuine. Whereas in prior generations, it was more common that you had well, this is, and one of us is going to become a priest. (laughs) Grandma said it was me. You know, or more often than it was a cultural experience sometimes in the past. Like there's a lot of people and it's a great thing to be a priest. And I think it'd be a nice thing in it without necessarily having had this profound conversion experience before entering a seminary or something like that. Whereas today, almost to a man, they they can talk about those experiences, which is really beautiful um, to hear them kind of go through that and and talk into that. But there's the what could God offer? Wow. And then in the aftermath of what could God offer, there's often what could God take away? And that's where the role of the leader, the mentor, the friend becomes Mm -hmm. so important because they're immediately going to begin asking questions like, 
one, um, uh, do I have what it takes? Mm-hmm. Am I like worthy to take this on? Could I see myself doing what father does? Or does that seem too hard or something like that? Mm-hmm. So there's the, do I have what it takes? There's also sometimes the sense like, what will people think? Like, what will my family think? What will my friends think? What will the community think? Mm-hmm. And I, it's not uncommon for me to have a man discerning who says, I'm not really talking about this with many people, just so you know. Or my family has given me some resistance. So just so you know, I'm meeting with you, but they don't know that. And it's maybe good for you to know that. Could you? Yeah, and could you not post it on That's social- exactly right. You not yeah. talk with a lot of people about this because I'm working that out with them. You know, Father, before you go, it feels like this is connected to our myth-busting conversation in that what was socially encouraged decades ago, generations ago, is now no longer the case. And so it's kind of necessary for a man to have a deep personal conviction, probably driven by a, a deep personal encounter with the Lord, Otherwise, why would they? It's right. it's so countercultural right now. And yeah, it's right. also probably right to be expected as as the practice of the faith decreases, you know, per capita, you would expect that family and friends would, if not open resistance, but maybe look at you a little sideways and not not quite sure. They mean well, they love, they love and want the good for the young person. Yeah. And they have certain certain standards for what that should look like. And maybe they don't have that kind of holy imagination that says, right. like, I know the Lord can take care of you, which is what anybody who enters into a vocation or takes a leap of faith is saying, like, hey, I know the Lord can take care of me, even though this asks something of me. I think every person who gets married on some level has to be willing to say, like, I know, Lord, you'll take care of me even when my spouse cannot do so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as I would like, or even when I, you know, I'm not able to take care of what I, what is asked of me as well as maybe I would, I would hope, or like, you're going to be there and you're, you promise mm-hmm. really good things. And, and I think that's where, that's where as, you know, somebody who's maybe saying like, okay, like I'm a DRE or uh, I'm a, a youth minister. I'm somebody who's working with these young people to say that when that young person begins to ask questions and when he begins to show curiosity about like the life of the priest or when he begins mm-hmm. to like when you see that he's had that decision he's had that conversion mm-hmm. i think that's that's especially a good moment to be attentive and mm-hmm. to be supportive and to kind of lend that sort of free but still a you know an invitation to say hey like the Lord could choose to do some really cool things with you. And I just want you to know if you have any questions about that, we're here for you and I'll support you in whatever mm-hmm. the Lord asks. You know, we love you and we want we just want you to do what the Lord wants. We want you to hear the Lord's voice and we want to support you in that. And if there's anything that you need from us as your small group leader or as your DRE, like I know you've had this really powerful experience. It's sometimes been hard to know what to do with that with other people, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's yeah. evangelizing others or whether it's discerning your own call. This is where that mentorship and leadership becomes so vital. These are the moments where uh, getting that young person connected with the priest a little bit more intentionally can be a really powerful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, to say you get a young person who comes off of a retreat or something like that, or you know, maybe they've they've come they've come from something that has really changing them, and out of that, okay, like this is when maybe a, a dinner with father and some other young people and the youth minister would be could be really cool. Yeah. Well, the unspoken assumption in this is that as a parent or a teacher or a coach, youth minister, or whatever, like just a caring adult in the life of this person, you've experienced encounter yourself. 
you know the the disorientation that that can bring. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, I, I've, I've had this kind of conversion moment. Whenever Jesus says, come follow me, there's always some sort of mission that goes with it, right? Oh, yeah. And I will make you fishers of men. It, that's right. Figuring out what that is for you. So it's this, you have to kind of know what encounter and conversion are like and have just a little bit of like, okay, so now might be a confusing time. Now would be a good time to enter into conversation. And not everybody's going to understand, you know, what you've experienced. Here's how you can talk about that. And here's how you can nurture that. Yes. And you have to have had, at least at some level, that experience as as an adult. Otherwise, it's very hard to accompany someone through that process. Yeah, but so, so vital. I think that, that you know, the reality is that we all know this, like God doesn't take anything away unless he is offering something much, much greater. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing, like I will give you a hundredfold, but I, you know, that's if you yeah. give up houses and, and brothers and sisters and mom and lands. Like if you're willing to give up all of those things, like he, the promise is that he will exceed us in generosity in every way. Yeah. There are the lies that what could God take away box that, any person who considers a vocation is probably going to encounter. Those are lies. Yeah, and but it's it's hard to dispel those lies <laughs> if it's not somewhat testimonial. I mean, the problem with young people these days is they can tell when you're lying. <laughs> you, can't, you can't fake it. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to be able to say, no, in my own life, the Lord has provided 10, 50, 100 times what I gave up. Yeah. Sometimes people say, like, what can I do for vocations? And as much as you want to say, well, I, I wish that if you just did these, you know, 10 tasks that we'd get another seminarian. I can't guarantee that. Yeah. Sometimes the best advice is just like, you know, go on a retreat for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Being less angry would be a good first step. Go to, well, yeah. And, and and how does that happen? Like, well, I mean, I don't know every, everyone's circumstances and, and, you know, capacities for those things are different based upon how many kids are running around your house and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So I get it. But sometimes the best thing you can do is go to cloisters for a week, cloisters on the plat for a week in mm-hmm. a broom tree or, you know, something along those lines. In other words, just to say, like, if you want to help them to hear the Lord's voice, then... You know, sometimes really like where, where, where is that alive in your life and how have you experienced it? And how have you, if you have that anger, like uh, so many do, like, how's that going to be healed? There's so much that comes along with that. Like, yeah, we, the vocations work is holiness work in the end. We're helping young people to do what everyone wants to enjoy in heaven forever, which is just to be in, in line perfectly with what the Lord's desires for us are first to be just loved Mm -hmm. and, and healed and helped. Then secondly, to go go forth in some concrete way. Mm-hmm. Father, what what comes next? If there's this kind of conversion moment, this this moment of encounter, what's what's happening in their journey after that? They're in usually this state of they just really desire to know Jesus more and more. Mm. They want to know more about the Lord. Wh- and- which right there, that's not often the experience. So if you are, have encountered a young person who actually desires to know. That's a sign that something special has happened there. Yeah. That, you know, anytime that that curiosity is there, uh, that that's a really good and fun sign. And mm-hmm. one thing that I think is important to realize is that if you take a 16-year-old boy and maybe, again, maybe he comes off of a Steubenville conference or a JC camp or something like that, and he's really positive. Or, you know, maybe he goes online and he starts watching all these podcasts. Yeah, and he's yeah, watching, watching his YouTube. He's watching YouTube videos. He's binging Bishop Barron. What yeah, the heck's that's going right. on? Bishop Barron and Father Schmitz and... And, um, and he's, he's going to be likely to have a lot of questions mm-hmm. and sometimes questions about things that maybe aren't on your heart as 
dearly or as closely. Uh, one thing I think of that happens a lot with guys who, who consider seminary is that they they just like they, liturgy. Liturgy comes up, you know, and the desire to yeah. see the Lord loved well, like to see that lived out well. Lots of questions about what the symbols are, what is what these experiences, and uh, for <laughs> for mo- for many of us, you know, you just say like, why do you care so much about? You know, like in the midst of all these other relationships and life issues and things, you got to understand like a, a a young man who's in that stage, like, well, if he, if he's called to the priest, he's going to be spending a lot of time in liturgy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would hope he a would be interested. <laughs> and you want him to love doing that. You yeah. know, you want no. him to show up for Sunday mass and be like, I love what I'm doing and this nurtures and feeds me. <laughs> yeah. I care about this. Uh, yeah. And he's going to have to do that every week two or three times a Sunday, you know, you want him to care (laughs) and and to love it. So in other words, like those kind of questions that can easily become like, oh, stop worrying about that or whatever. Like I'd say, you know, do what you can to approach them with the same excitement that that young person has. Um, Whether it's about other things or whether it's about liturgy, just recognizing it's the same thing as say, if you get a young girl who's been dreaming about marriage uh, and she's, she's got details about her wedding and she's, planning about them and she's asking about them. And, you know, you were just saying it's kind of fun and it's appropriate because, well, that's like a big part of her life. Right. You don't scold her about like, it's fun. Quit stressing like, about good the dress. For her. It's yeah. just a dress. You know, uh, Never, and, if, yeah. and if you've, and if you've got a young man who like might be called to spend his life in sacramental service to Christ and his people, maybe, maybe it's kind of cool that he's asking those questions. And if he's not in perfect balance in that, maybe it's because he's a 16 year old kid. Yeah. And that's wonderful and good. And if he's called to the priesthood, there will be plenty of time for things to balance out and for him to see, say, the bigger picture that exists within ministry and life and, and yeah. commitment to God's people and so on and so forth. So I just say, like, they usually come out of a conversion experience or somebody who has had that powerful experience and they're living in it. They're usually in a phase where they really want to learn a lot. And that's part of their equipping. That's part of their. And so just to to have fun with that, that's also an area where, boy, if you have young people who are in that place and you can get a question the priest night or something along those lines, that stuff is solid gold. Yeah. And they can ask all kinds of questions, both about father's theological expertise or whatever, but also his human sort of reality. It builds relationship. It's just a tremendous kind of a vocational thing, I think. Yeah, that is so helpful because I think, oh, if I show some interest and respect for what you're excited, embrace that and receive that. Hey, this is a really good sign. Yeah. I love that. That's super helpful. Yeah. One thing is just to receive them in their questions and to kind of feed that sort of desire for all that stuff. And then the extent to which we provide community for them. Uh, and and match them up with other other people, other young people who are are striving to yeah. know the Lord well, and that's where uh, you know if you've got a young man in your in your parish or something, maybe maybe having him help out with a virtus veritas camp, or you know in the summer, you know like finding ways to get them connected with other people who are loving the Lord and striving. Yeah, can we talk about that? So let's say your family is a little domestic church. You've got a young man or young woman who's considering vocation. How do you help them find a community of peers? I mean, you mentioned the boys' camp, Camp Virtus at Veritas, uh, Toby Karinsky. Mm, yeah, great, work. great opportunity there for, for young men to both either to attend or to serve as a counselor. Where else? If yeah, you I, think help the, a young I think for the young community. women, I think the Apostolic Oblates in Omaha are also 
a, a very good resource in that regard. They just tend to know a lot of people and run those camps and form young women. I think that any youth group situation is is going to be your start. And then I think that's where calling your youth minister, uh, and if you are a youth minister listening to this, then maybe maybe that's where you call me if you're kind of like, I've got mm-hmm. this guy and I just, I want to know, are there, are there groups around that I could plug into maybe? Right. Because there are some both in the Omaha area as well as in, you know, I know in the Norfolk area, I think in some other parts of the diocese, there are certain groups that that have formed. And certainly we want to help connect you if you feel like, I have no idea where I would go. Then give right. us a call. Yeah, like I, I want to help that young man. And and part of what he needs is support from you and from other other like prayerful adults and supportive adults. But he, he or she are going to really also need um, peer support, like they're going to benefit from peer support to be right. sure. The Newman Center, Young Catholic Professionals, and then just a whole lot of organic groups that are just kind of springing up of young adults. And you're, you can help people find that group to connect the the young person in their life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else? What else do we need to know as we're going to try and accompany and walk with someone who's kind of going through this journey? Well, uh, I think that uh, one of the good things is that we try to receive young people as the Lord builds them up. And if we stay focused on what the next step is towards loving the triune God, we're usually in much better shape Mm. than we are in saying, how can I get you into the seminary? Thank you. Like we are not using people and we're not manipulating people. Like that is not what we're about. (laughs) And so it's always to say, like, what is God in all of his generosity offering to both myself as the mentor, but offering to this young person? What are they interested in? What do they desire? Where are they? What do they desire when um, when they're really uh, close to the Lord, when the Lord's really on their heart and they're very free before the Lord? Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to force them into things that aren't sort of coming forward from them. You know, we so we want them to be open. But right. we don't need them to be to feel like they have to be open in order to please us, shall we yeah. say? Wow. And I think that's a, a thing is don't we don't want to accost prayerful young people and just say, "Hey, I I know what your vocation is." Or, uh, and I would guess that most listeners would totally agree with that and be on board with that. But that's been the experience of a lot of people who grow up faithful. Is that uh, maybe? Gosh, you know, it seems like I mean, I, I like going to daily mass, but I'm tired of being told. <laughs> By by all these people, like they don't know my heart. Yeah, these you know? sweet old ladies who have <laughs> never met me so once. Are, yeah, <laughs> but they don't know me. They don't know my heart. Yeah. They don't know my struggles. Like, and young people do bring a variety of struggles, maybe in their family, or maybe mm-hmm. in you know, in terms of maybe things like anxiety, or sometimes pornography and purity. Mm-hmm. You know, those things are more concerns than ever, and. Um, so it can be a little bit jarring to hear someone approach you and be too forward or too strong mm-hmm. about that. What do we really hope for? Like, what would we have appreciated maybe if we were in their shoes? So good good, think- good rule of thumb would be you should know their name before you tell them <laughs> their vocation. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, what I, I say is like, look, uh, it is inspiring to see young people in church. I think it, it always has been. Maybe it is particularly more and more. And I think if we let people know, no matter where they're at, like, man, we're just so happy to see you here. Your presence matters and you're a blessing to us. So thank you. And we're mm-hmm. praying for you. I think that's a great thing to say mm-hmm. uh, or a great sentiment to have or a great desire to have. Um, you know, sometimes our students at Newman will ask, is there anything that uh, you would like me to pray for for you? Which is kind of a nice question sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything I can pray for for you? 
And, uh, you know, I think maybe if, if you're really, really kind of seeing something in somebody, but you don't know them very well, that might be a good step would be to say, Hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. And I love that you're here. Is there anything you'd like me to pray for, for you? We could get, you know, the rosary ladies That's on this, awesome. the old ladies on this, like, yeah, um, the old, that. you know, I say that in quotation marks, but just like prayerful people, like, you know, it's very possible that they'll tell you then like, well, actually, yes, my vocation, I'm really discerning and I would love for you to pray for me. And that would be a really good open door to say, oh, I love how you pray and just know, like, we'll be supportive of you. Like, we'll be proud of you, whatever whatever the mm-hmm. Lord calls you to. And we'll just pray that the Lord's voice make that clear. Yeah, I had a time when I was in college where a woman approached me. I had never met her before, um, but she didn't tell me that I needed to become a priest. She said, you're discerning, aren't you? You're considering. Like, I don't know. She must have had some kind of hmm. insight or some kind of gift. I said, yeah, I am. She's like, just know that basically it's okay. The Lord's taking care of you. It'll be fine. Which was for me just That's- a beautiful gift. They really set me free Um, in in a certain, not permanently, but that was just, that was what I needed to hear at that moment. Mm -hmm. Just know the Lord's taking care of it and he's got you and it'll be fine. Thanks. I never saw her again. I have no idea, but I mean, I remember it vividly and yeah, yeah, she might as, I mean, it was what I needed to hear. I didn't need to hear you need to become a priest because I don't think I ever received that with gratitude or love. But I, I think when, when a young person, you know, does say like, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about this for us to respond and say, gosh, that's, that's great. And, um, and if you are the DRE, if you are, you know, the youth minister to say like, okay, great, let's talk about what your desires are for that and what that looks like for you. And just tell me about mm-hmm. yourself in that. And it's good. So good. This, this is great. Father, you're, you're demystifying here. Some of, I mean, it's just like, so step one, be a Christian, <laughs> uh, you know, pray, be polite, get to know people. I'm wondering, I really appreciated, I just want to, I want to leave our listeners with some real practical takeaways here. I really appreciated how you distinguish beyond just an encounter with Jesus and a conversion, a community, you know, a desire for prayer that often in young men, there's this particular draw to the liturgy that, that might be an extra indicator that they're not just a Christian, but they may have a particular call to the priesthood. Are there any other particular things that we should look for, listen for, be aware of, uh, do's and don'ts, and just some practical takeaways here for people? Yeah, the young men, they're not always drawn to the liturgy as a special sign. Um, it's not uncommon, but they also do, they do tend to love the Eucharist. That, that is a, you know, a similar thing, whether that manifests itself liturgically or in adoration or something along those lines. You know, there's a beautiful gift that comes from our own communion with the Lord and knowing that when we are when we are kind of united and when we're in him there's a real fruitfulness and sometimes the the real openness. And I would say that the more that you are kind of in your place with the Lord and being faithful to what he's asking of you as you're being invited to help you know build up and heal the body of Christ and everything else, that trust that that's that's exactly where you need to be. <laughs> that you're in a great place, you're in a perfect place. Um, and then just to have that attentiveness is so helpful. So pray for young people, like pray for them. It's not easy. It's not easy in any generation. Uh, and it's not easy for this generation. Um, pray for their parents, uh, who so many of whom we serve and we love. And then as we offer them, their parents and their children, opportunities to encounter Jesus, just know that every time that that happens, 
there's an openness and a desire that will follow and flow from that. And you might not have big numbers right now, but you can trust that as those opportunities are offered and as you're inviting people into that relationship, that he's going to bring about a desire to know more. And the more Mm -hmm. that you can say, well, you know, as that takes place and either young people that I love, like I, I have a sense of of what that might look like, how I want to speak to them, how I want to encourage them and and support them and love them. Um, if I'm in a position within the parish, maybe to say like, well, do I know when to when to ask Father or when to like make sure I get some excuse for this kid to mm-hmm. have an, an interaction with Father? Yeah. You know, um, are there ways that I can help build up that relationship, which is really important mm-hmm. in so many priestly vocations. Relationship with yeah. priests is really helpful in so many different vocations. And so how do we help make sure that, you know, we're doing that and, and getting father kind of plugged in, getting the man plugged in, yeah. doing those things. So those are the things that I guess I'd say just to take away. The practical things here are, are, are pretty simple. Like mm-hmm. the Lord tells us to pray for vocations. And I think so often we say, okay, we do that, but no, really do that. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. I'd like to do that. I'd like to challenge our, our <laughs> listeners, make it personal. Like, right, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's my, my takeaway for you. Like, don't get distracted whether or not you know this young person has had an encounter with the Lord, whether or not they have inklings of a call, whether they're actively discerning. Pray specifically right now. I mean, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but pray for a young person because if it is not their vocation, it might be just their fundamental conversion to the Lord. And if it's not their call, it may be their support of their friend. So pray for That's a right. young person that you know. And if you don't know of any young people, pray for my children. <laughs> but yeah, pray for yeah. pray, for, pray some, for our Newman kids. Yeah, pray very or, specifically yeah. for some young people. That's a great, and I just think about that. My own dad would say, he thought about the priesthood a little bit. He was really inspired by his parish priest and... But said no. Um, that's not that's not really what I'm moved to or what I'm called to. And, and he has two sons who are priests. Yeah. And so you just don't know in the big picture of things how things all actually play out. Yeah, that's awesome, Father. Where where do people go if they want to connect with you? If they want to learn more about helping someone pursue a vocation? The first step often is to to go to either uh, your priest or maybe if you've met a priest at say a youth event or something who you trust. Right. And, and you know, to make contact, email, whatever, phone, just and and to make contact and say, I want to talk about this, and you and you should, you should want to talk about it, like yeah. the Lord, like this is the Lord, <laughs> He's so good, like God is good, yeah. He has a plan for you, it is so good, like He doesn't promise it'll be easy, but it's glorious, mm-hmm. and and so you should you should really hunger for that. So that's the first step, you know. Certainly, you can visit archomaha.org and take a look at vocations or. You can like you can watch Father Mike Schmitz. I mean, he's awesome. Or mm-hmm. Bishop Barron. You know, there are a lot of good resources, podcasts like Poco a Poco or whatever. I mean, there are tons of different sources to feed the heart and to keep you encouraged and to keep you strong. Uh, but when it comes to contacting people, I'd say like find somebody you trust, uh, and then you know we'll we'll help you. We'll walk with you. And if you want to be in touch with me, certainly you know head through the website or whatever, and feel free yeah. to be in contact with me. I'd be happy to talk to you. Yeah, where do where do people find you? 
at archomaha.org. And then you go to vocations. Um, certainly my email address, ajroza, R-O-Z-A, at archomaha.org. Free to email at any time. Uh, so those are those are the spots where you can can easily be found. Uh, I'm in residence at JP2 Newman as well All in right. Omaha. So Just if you want to Google JP2 Newman, um, but you want to look up Archdiocese of Omaha vocations, you'll also find contact information for us. So yeah, stop by or check out the website or whatever. I'm always welcome at Mass uh, to join us if you'd like and to say hello. Uh, so there are all kinds of different opportunities. I, as vocations director, try to make my way to different things around the diocese too. So mm-hmm. if I stop out your way then and, and you feel comfortable, feel free to say hello. That's awesome. Thank you for being with us, Father. Everybody, if you're, if you're listening, if this has been helpful for you, encouraging, pass this along to a friend. Uh, we, we like to say that, you know, young people don't just need one or two adults. They need a whole community. And so if you know people uh, who are in the lives of, of young people and this has been a blessing to you, pass this along to them. Go ahead and share it. Thank you for being with us, Father. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks for being with us, everybody.